Good evening, Wear Many Hats listeners. Joining us today, we're very excited to have Mike Tui. Um, Mike has over 20 years' experience in the facilities management industry, um, and he's currently the Regional Director of Facilities Management for Knight Frank Promise. Good evening, Mike. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad, Mark. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Did you have a good day? <coughs> yeah, it wasn't bad. Busy one, but good. Busy one. Bombing around in the sunshine. Got my little bike. Yeah. Go around. Keeps me out of mischief. <laughs> Where have you been today, then? Uh, Baker Street and then uh, Covent Garden. Or, well, two nice places to no, go. Can't be bad, can it? Not it can't bad be too bad. bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you have a bit of lunch over Covent Garden and some nice places? I didn't, uh, didn't have lunch, but uh, yeah, it's got, we got um, Diageo uh, from Guinness. All right. They're moving into Covent Garden next year. Uh, actually, yeah, because we were, we popped around there. I remember being told that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it's really exciting now in, in Covent Garden. It's going to be the go-to place. I mean, it's already a go-to place anyway. But yeah, Guinness is going to have a massive impact because they're building be really good. And they're building like an experience center or something. Yeah, along they're going to have um, basically they're going to have a microbrewery and um, but and all sorts of events going on. But the great thing about Diageo, they're really into community spirit. Brilliant. Looking after everyone, yeah. really engaging. They want what works for the community. It's not just about them; it's about everything else. Right. So, yeah, we're really excited about about them coming to the area. Oh, it'd, fantastic! It'd be, it'd be fun. Brilliant. So, all right, guys. Well, you heard it here first. Where me, many arts listeners, if you like a Guinness, get yourself down to Covent Garden in approximately how long, Mike? Uh, about a year and a half. About a year and a half. All right, you've got eighteen months. Bro. <laughs> start saving up. Yeah, start saving up. Plenty of leading. Brilliant. All right, Mike. Fantastic. Well, listen. Let's crack on with the first question. Great to have you here. Um, firstly, can you tell us a little bit about your career journey in facilities management? Right. Well, I think like most people, I kind of fell into it. Yeah. Um, did a degree, business studies. Um, became an accountant for twenty years. Wow. Got uh, found that far too exciting. Um, <laughs> and. Um, one day I was working for a firm of managing agents, small firm, their accountant. Yeah. And, you know, I just thought, give, give facilities a go. A friend of mine was doing it. He explained what it was like. Yeah. And then I joined a company called GVA Grimley, which is now, as we know, Everson Young. I know GVA very well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, good company. was there for about six, seven years. Then went to join a company called Driver Jonas, which yep. became Deloitte Real Estate. Yeah. Um, and then six years ago, um, we merged... We with uh, Knight Frank, and I kind of found my spiritual home. Right, uh, Knight Frank Promise. Yeah, fantastic company. Um, we share the same ethos, the same passion for our buildings and our staff. Yeah, so it's like yeah, coming home basically. Yeah, oh, fantastic. Yeah, been, been brilliant. Brilliant, good stuff. So you've, um, you have, am I right in saying that you've been promoted relatively recently at Knight Frank? Is that an accurate yeah. assessment? So uh, Jason Taylor, my uh, line manager, my boss, he yep. moved on to head of commercial. Right. And I took over as regional head for, for London. Fantastic. So we've got really good staff, about 70 people in London now. Right. And it's growing. It's, uh, it's, good. it's good business. Brilliant. Well, firstly, congratulations um, on the on the recent promotion. Um, how, did, how did you find that transition from your previous role into the new one? Was was it was it a, a significant jump in terms of responsibility, or was it something that you felt quite comfortable moving into? I think the good thing about Knight Frank Promises is, is our training. Yeah, and, and it's all about preparing you for the next stage in your career. Right. So you know, Jason had been great. He'd been you know handing stuff over to me. Mm-hmm. over the years uh so it felt like a natural progression yeah um like most people i think we all still suffer from sort of imposter syndrome you yeah, look yeah. around and you think in you know i'm a guy from north london with a comprehensive yeah what am i doing running a big team yeah fair that's a fair you assessment know, yeah but we are uh and we're doing well yeah yeah um, but no i think you know we, we do really good training in night frank so you know it wasn't a big jump it's just something that i kind of Fed into, but uh, yeah, it's still sometimes you've got to wake up, pinch yourself, and go, Am I really doing this job? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, I mean, to be fair, um, you're not the first person to say that actually about Night Frank. One of our previous guests, um, who, who worked for Night Frank for a period of time, um, actually mentioned, you know, how the development pathways within the business are incredibly good and the support functions are yeah. really, really good. Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting and great to hear that you're saying the same thing. No, we have. In fact, I've just been going around the country doing some service charge training. Having been an ex-accountant, yep. you know, service charge is a bit of a passion of mine. Yep. Um, and So you know how you know, I really look into a, um, an Excel spreadsheet. Oh, I? I love Excel spreadsheets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I do get a bit too excited, I have to be honest. Um, <laughs> and um, so, no, I've, I've just been... Last couple of weeks going around, just 
just helping everyone out, just running yeah. a training program on, yeah, yeah. on developing. Because uh, we all, building managers come from a wide range of, of uh, yep. backgrounds. Um, so not everyone's going to be an expert on on, on service charges. Yeah. Um, so what we're trying to do is we look around the team and go, well, who's good at this? Who's good at that? I happen to be good at service charges. So um, I'm, I'm leading that. Uh, others are good at you know, M&E, others are good at other skills, soft skills, you know, front of the house skills. So, yeah, yeah we uh, and we try and use all those skills, combine it together and um, have a good, really, really good learning and development package. Yeah, that's great though, isn't it? It's great that other people within the team can kind of leverage on your experience yeah. and your, you know, something that you're passionate about to give them additional skills in terms of them being able to complete their job roles on a daily yeah. basis. And, if it, and things I've been where they are, you know, yeah. I've, I've sat down, had the same experience with client accountants, surveyors. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not someone who's teaching it from afar. No. You know, I've I've done exactly their their jobs, so yeah. um, I can relate practical, to them. Practical yeah. experience doing yeah. exactly the same thing. Exactly that. I think people really relate to that. I think that that's how that's the best way to train, isn't it? Because you don't want to be told by somebody who's not done your job exactly. how to do your job. Yeah. Um, I think that if it's somebody that's already done it. Um, you know, you can because they, they've got scenarios that you've already been in. You know, you can you can create that kind of link, can't you? Yeah. Between between what they're doing and what you did in the past, so it's slightly easier for them to understand, and they're also more likely to take it on board. And that's our training. We try and make it as interactive as possible, and we set yeah. some some exercises that are real practical. You know, I even use one of my buildings. You know, we we, we as together as a group, we yeah. create a service charge based on around a building that. I've worked in, yeah. yeah, and they've probably walked past themselves a lot, so um, right. it makes it a bit more real. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind, kind of interactive, real-world yeah. scenarios. Yeah. Okay. Oh, brilliant. Oh, well, that's really, really good. Okay, then. So if we kind of moved on to – I was going to ask what inspired you to, you to pursue a career, but we already know you, yeah. you're sick of being an accountant. You know, yeah. You're far too interested to be sat behind a desk doing yeah. that all day, Mike. I'd rather walk around buildings and have fun. And, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So – you know, in, in terms of your sector within facilities management, because obviously some of our listeners won't know, can yep. you just tell us a little bit about um, that sector and how you feel that you've involved within that specific industry? So my sector is the commercial sector. Yeah. So and, and in London. Yeah. So large office blocks, estates, uh, pollen estate, Moses estate, mm. um, and yeah, large office blocks. Um, yeah. So it's quite varied. Varied. It's quite varied. We range in 100,000 to 500,000 square foot buildings. We've got a massive building, Paddington now, another right. one in Canary Wharf, yeah. uh, four or 500,000 square foot. Wow. We then go right down to much smaller buildings. So range of skill sets, different types of building managers, different um, types of contractors you need for each building. Yeah. So not one building is, is the same, which, which makes it really good, actually. makes it really interesting. Yeah, so that variation, because you've got that variation, would you say that that, that means that you're quite good at dealing with different scenarios, different environments and different ways of working because i'm guessing they all have yeah different requirements yeah some buildings will have one contract that will run a lot lots of services yeah other buildings much smaller you know some will have five receptions some will have no receptions yeah you know some will have a key holding service out of hours some will have a full m e team yeah security team 24 hours seven days a week yeah so each building and what we do in night frank promise is that we don't do bulk contracts we do what contract works for the individual building right so it's everything's bespoke to that building because right. each building is different okay so, so, so it's a tailored service as very, opposed very, to very a... much tailored yeah because different buildings have its own service chart different types of service charges what they can afford yeah um and and what level of service the occupiers and clients want you know and, and landlords want so uh yeah it's very much a bespoke service Right, okay, okay. That's really interesting, yeah. actually. Because a lot of companies like Portfolio, they, they go out in portfolios, but what you're saying is that it, it tends to be more specific to the... More tailor-made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, okay. We want what works for the building. And not every contractor suits that sort of thing. Some contractors yeah. don't like smaller buildings. Yeah. Some prefer that. So, yeah. you know, it, it's getting the right contract. And the contractors that we know will embrace the building and 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 take as much pride in the building as we do. Of course. Yeah. Well, that's, that's really important to us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that collaboration and partnership is important, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, massively. Yeah. Because, I mean, I guess what's crucial about that is that if you don't have the right partner, because they represent you, they represent your brand, don't they? That's yeah. the reality. Um, so, so it must be quite important that you choose. If the, the contract's right not performing, it's going to reflect bad, badly on us. Of course. Yeah. You know, and it, and the thing is, it's a partnership. Yep. We don't want to knock our, our contractors for price and stuff like that. We want yep. them to earn a decent price out of it 
out of the building. Yeah. And in, in turn, we want a good service. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, and it's that partnership we want to work with because we want to work long term. Lots of our contractors, we've had them for, you know, we've worked together for a long time. Yeah. We've grown together. Yeah. You know, as we've grown, they've grown, and that works well. Yeah, of know? course. Yeah. yeah. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So moving on to um, sort of, you know, a career within facilities management, what advice would you give to somebody who was interested in starting a career in the sector? Um, advice. I think the best thing is, is to have passion for the building yeah. and take pride in it. That's right. that's how I kind of got into it because I love buildings, you know. But you know, you want to walk into a building, and go, that's mine. Yeah, you know, that's you know, I'm, I'm proud of everything around it. Um, I think it's important to get some qualifications. I mean, right. I'm a member of IWFM. Yeah, I'm a technical member of IOSH. Right. Um, I've got my knee Bosch. Did it many years ago. Yeah. Um, that's really important if you want to progress within the thing. Yeah. It's not just a tick box, you know, you've got to live and breathe it. Mm. Uh, but also I think the important thing is to get a mentor. Right. You know, I've had several mentors over the years. Yeah. Um, and that's really important to get someone you could bounce ideas off of. And I think the most important thing is don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. Because there's no such thing as a silly question. Yeah. I got into the industry at the age of 40, didn't know much about the industry. Mm. Uh, bluff my way a bit in the early days, as yeah. we all do. As we all do, yeah. You know, Fake uh, it till you make it, as yeah. they say. Yeah. You know, but... You know, you sit in meetings, you listen to people, mm. and and then you ask the questions and and you learn, but and never be afraid to ask. Yeah, because um, you know there are so many people out there who want to impart their information. Yeah, you know? and yeah, get a good, get some, get a good mentor. A good mentor. So you mentioned that you'd had uh, several mentors yeah. throughout your career. Are you happy name checking any of them? Jason uh, Taylor, happy mentor. Yeah, right. he was. You know, he was my you know, colleague at GVA. Yeah, uh, he's now my boss. Right. Um, he's probably one of the best FMs in the country. Um, That's high price. No, no, it's yeah. uh, truly deserved. Um, yeah. And you can learn so much off him. You know, yeah. The guy's younger than me, so not an issue. You yeah. know, but if someone's good, you know, even if you just pick up half of what they know, you'll do well. Yeah. So, uh, I, I have that conversation with my colleague to our right all yeah, the time yeah, yeah. in terms of age. Yeah. Um, because I don't think age is important. I no, remember when I started my career, I remember having lots of ideas but I looked very young. So because I looked very young, I wasn't necessarily taken seriously. Um, but it didn't mean my ideas were bad, you know. Um, so I think I think sometimes people get caught up in age and, you know, people being young, old, whatever. I mean, I don't think it necessarily matters as no, long as your ideas are good. Yeah, and it's how you challenge those and, you know, it's listen to people and, and, and challenge those ideas because someone may have done something similar before, but just because it didn't work before doesn't mean to say it's not going to work now. Yeah, yeah, Different yeah. environments, different buildings, et cetera. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. We've asked Jason Taylor on the show, you know. He will come. He will come after this. Well, he's going to have to. No, he's been he, has to, been he hasn't got a choice. Yeah, I've done it on purpose. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to make sure he listens to it, won't we? <laughs> Good stuff. Brilliant. All right, cheers, mate. Um, all right, so moving on to, um, you know, something a little bit technology-based now okay. in terms of question. Uh, we've asked this a few people. I think it's quite interesting, the differences in answers that we get. So what role would you see artificial intelligence playing um, within facilities management now and in the future? Yeah. I mean, artificial intelligence, you know, the Internet of Things, I mean, it's having a major impact on our industry. Yeah. You know, the ideas of our buildings, 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, occupancy levels have all changed. Mm. You know, we now call them the twats, the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, you know. <laughs> um, I love that one. And it's not derogatory, you <laughs> yeah. know. It's just that we haven't got the same flow of people for our buildings every day, so mm. therefore we have to be a bit more proactive. Yeah. You know, and the Internet of Things AI means we can start being a bit clever in how we run our buildings. We invariably know on a Friday, Friday morning, Friday afternoon, there's probably very few people in the buildings. Mm. So why pump the same amount of fresh air around the building? Why use the same amount of energy? You know, we have buildings now where using your mobile phones, we could tell how many people are in certain parts of a floor of a building. So we can control how much energy we use on that area, how much lighting, how much cooling, etc. So AI, Internet of Things, gives us a lot more ability to tailor-make our buildings yeah. to use the right amount of energy. Right. Likewise, you know, we've got this thing in engineering where we use a thing called SFG20, whereby planted, but like servicing your car, hit yeah. so many thousand miles you service your car. Yeah. Why service plant at the same rate as you've always done it? Let's be a bit clever and go, well, if it's not been used that much, let's not service it so much. So we're saving money, mm. which has been a bit more intelligent. We've been proactive rather than always reactive. Yeah, thinking of different ways yeah. to do things. And, and I think AI is giving us that ability now to think differently uh, yeah. and run our buildings more efficiently 
uh, therefore using less energy. Yeah. Um, and just be a bit more careful about what we're doing, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think we shouldn't be afraid of it. We should embrace it. Yeah. Uh, and it will change things, you know. Receptions yeah. will change. Yeah. You know, my son now, when he goes to McDonald's, he doesn't go to the counter. He goes to the machine at the front and true. types it in. So, therefore, yeah. people going to reception will won't always expect the person there anymore. They may start expecting the, uh, an image. You know, it could be um, one of those holograms, holograms type yeah. stuff. You know, we're already trying it out in some of our buildings now uh, with remote receptionists. Yeah. It could save a lot of money by not having someone sitting on reception. Well, that's very true, yeah. You know? yeah. So those those technologies are coming. If you look five years ago, you know, who would have known about ESG? Now yeah. it's it's... It's everything we do. It's, it's, it's the heart of what we do. So um, there is, um, yeah, it's a lot changing. And I think, I'm sure the next five years we'll see a momentum going forward as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that McDonald's analogy you just used, is actually, I never thought about it like that before, Mike, to be fair, but you are true. You know, if, if whenever I go to McDonald's, I go to the, you know, it's, it's, it's just normal. Yeah. You know, I, but then when, and until you actually think, until you put the two together... You know, McDonald's reception, you, you, you can, you're like, no, nah, it's McDonald's, it wouldn't work. But then, you know, if you implement the technology in a different yeah. way, whereby it's welcoming and interactive, then why, yeah. why wouldn't you? You know, I've got uh, access cards to buildings. I no longer carry keys for my buildings. I've got uh, apps for my buildings. Yeah. You know, send someone a, a meeting request, you, see, you include it on the app, turn yeah. up, put it on, on, on the door door opens yeah you know? and, and to be fair there's lots of cost effective solutions out there you yeah. know it's not it's not it's not expensive not, anymore no no, no it, it used to be expensive yeah nowadays you know everyone's got apps yeah you yeah know? um therefore how we interact with the buildings and how we flow through the buildings. so you know some you know more and more now we're getting involved in the design for management we call right. it dfm yeah building managers know how buildings flow we know yeah. how people walk through a building how how they access stuff so more and more now, you know, we're getting involved in the early stages yeah. to advise architects, advise clients on, you know, how the building should run. Yeah. Um, and we can save lots of money and, and make them more, you know, interactive. Offices are no longer places where you just come to work. They've got to be a kind of a community. Yeah. You know, um, there's got to be some sort of community feel where there's a building app where everyone can engage with the building. So yeah. if there's something happening in reception, everyone will know about it for events. And stuff like like, a, like a, a Facebook, but for the building Facebook type community building type yeah. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly yeah. that. And there's lots of them out there. And mm. some of them are really good. And lots of, you know, you know, Valentine's Day, there'll be things about what's happening in the building. Or if someone's doing a, a book collection for a charity, yeah, we can promote it within the building. Right. Um, stuff like that. So yeah. Do, yeah. Do, do you do that, can that? Is that done generally via like push notifications? And do you use that technology? Or do you think that's a bit too invasive or oh, I've, there's various types yeah I, I forget which ones people tend to use but uh, and yeah. some buildings are really engaged with it others yeah. less so it just depends on on who's in the building it could depend on the culture couldn't it I suppose because, yeah, yeah. yeah because it, like you said it's all different isn't it you know so you know depending on the type of organization could also impact the type of culture and whether or not they would adopt or invest in something like that yeah yeah, yeah. It, but it's getting cheaper you know and, yeah. and people want Coming to work has to be an experience now. Yes. You know, and part of our role is, is to create that experience. Yeah. You know, as you walk through the door, what's the shower facilities like? Are yeah. you being given a towel? Is there drying rooms? You know, what's the, what does it smell like? Mm. You know, what does it sound like? Yeah. You know, can you get Wi-Fi in the changing rooms? You know, is there TV in the changing rooms? The news? All those sorts of things people are looking at now. Yeah. You know, so it's all that part of that end of journey type, type stuff. Yeah. Um, whereas five years ago, pre-COVID, it wasn't wasn't that important. Occupiers are now looking for that that sort of that thing. Yeah, I mean, we we've discussed this before on the show with a couple of guests. Actually, you know, I think I think between five and seven years ago, it, that that type of environment was very prevalent, more sort of in the tech space. Yeah, in the likes of Google and Facebook and and things like that. Not to name check them, but it's kind yeah, of no, the biggest it's what, ones. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, what, what, what we've seen, what, what I see and what some of the guests that we've had on before is you're seeing a transition now away from just kind of that specific sector into if it's a building, it needs to be a community and it needs yeah. to be right because we need to entice people in yeah. because we learned a lot from COVID, yeah. you know. Um, and I think that's a really positive thing. I think so. I think so because people want to enjoy going to work. It's hard enough to get people back into the office. But yeah. When they come back in, they've got to be engaged yeah. um, and they're expecting more f from the office. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So COVID has been good for that. Yeah. yeah. Do, do, do you think that, that, that we may see an increase in sort of co-working spaces as a, as a result of COVID in the future? Or do you think that it'll continue along the lines as it does now? What, what do you think? I've, I think flexibility flexibility on leases. Yeah. People aren't going to be signing up for 10-year leases. Yeah. Stuff like that. They want the ability to grow, contract, yeah. co-working. I think the youngsters nowadays want to work differently. Yeah. You know, they... they they don't want to sit um, with groups of other people. They, they want that. They want the flexibility. Yeah, you know, which uh, I think builders need to give them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the working at home, you know, that's never going to change. People are always now the cat's out of the bag. People like working from home. Yeah, but we have to make coming to work something that's worth your while doing. Yeah, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think co-working is is a is the future, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I think what you said there about flexibility is is um, I think that's the key. And the reason I say that is because I've been a flexible worker for about fifteen years. Um, so, so I was doing this before COVID, no. and 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 I I understand the benefits of it. So, I think I, I don't think I could ever just do a nine to five Monday to Friday in an office now. And I don't think I'd have been able to do it ten years ago either, because I don't. So, so I understand. I understand that flexible element. Yeah. You know, and I understand why, when people experienced it during COVID, it became a very popular thing. But I think that fifteen years ago, the technology to be able to do that wasn't there. Now, you know? I remember when Night Frank pre-COVID, we had mm. one day where everyone was going to work from home. Yeah. And everyone assumed the system would fall over. Yeah. And of course, it didn't. Yeah. Um, now I come from a background where, you know, I worked in the office five days a week. Mm. I did during COVID. I was in most of the time during COVID. Yes. Um, you know, on my bike cycling around London. Um, and I am still in five days a week now, or at yeah. least four days a week anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm quite envious of those who don't have to do it. Yeah. Um, I can understand that, that as well. Though. Yeah. And I've I got just, friends that are the same, you know. I understand that. You know, I've got friends that have to be cited because they're responsible for the building yeah. and so on and so forth. Yeah. yeah. So in some ways, you know, yeah, I'm, my son who's 19, he will never have to do the Monday to Friday. I mean, everyone on the train in the morning, I knew everyone on the platform in the morning, we'd get the six o'clock train in the morning. I see the same guys at seven o'clock that evening coming home. Right. That was my life for 40 years. Yeah. Was it good? Probably not, because I didn't get the work-life balance. Yeah. Um, and I think going forward, people want a better work-life balance. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I think the next generation is, is a lot fortunate for that because you yeah. can take your kids to school and still do your day job, whereas, you know, my generation never had that opportunity. Yeah. Do, do you know what? That's a really frank assessment. Um, I, I think that's a really interesting way to put it mike i really do because i've never looked at it from that angle but when you think about you know the generation ahead of me for example um you are right they never had that opportunity mm. you know that they were away from their families five days a week yeah. from six in the morning till seven at night so that's really yeah. interesting so um, i think the next generation is lucky yeah i would agree yeah. actually yeah you know looking at it from that viewpoint yeah, i hope they appreciate it yeah. <laughs> look at, yeah, 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 looking at looking at this young fella yeah, to exactly. our right. Yeah, 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 yeah. without a yeah. doubt, without a doubt. Okay, brilliant. Thanks, Mike. A really, really good, um, interesting one. So, I'm just going to move on to um, ESG. Okay. You know, you've already mentioned it. Yep. Um, what I want to talk about, though, in terms of ESG, especially with yourself, is I know that you've been quite heavily involved um, with homelessness yep. over the years. Um, we'll, we'll go on to the environmental because yeah. I know that that's important and we'll talk about the governance even though yeah. we, we'll try and make sure we don't fall asleep during that bit though, Mike. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, but, but tell us a little bit about, you know, the work that you've done from a charitable perspective throughout your career to help uh, people at homeless. Okay, so at the age of 18, um, I got involved in a charity called Crisis. Yep. Known Crisis at Christmas. Um, it basically started off, my family are Irish, um, all around London at the time. There's a lot of Irish... Scottish homeless. Yep. Um, I had no money. I couldn't really give any money, but what I had was time. Yep. Um, so started volunteering at a charity over the Christmas period, about eight days over Christmas. Uh, and I think this year, I think I've done 44, I think it's 44 years now I've been doing it every Christmas. Wow. Uh, done a lot of work. I was a trustee for a while. Yeah. Um, doing a lot of work during the year on soup runs, clothing runs over the year, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And about four years ago, I was on the Queen's Honours list. Uh, Queen was very grateful. Um, I was offered, ordered, uh, awarded a British Empire medal. 
Oh, fantastic! Well services done. to homelessness. So yeah. um, that was that was that was nice. That was good. Yeah. Um, so homelessness is a passion of mine. Um, a lot of mental health issues amongst homelessness. Um, yeah. At one point, a lot of ex-military were homeless. People yes. didn't care. Yeah. Military's done a great job in, in recent years now, reduced a lot of that. Um, but um, a story I often t- tell my volunteers is that a guy I met several years back, been a deputy headmaster of a school, and him and I were chatting over a couple of nights at a homeless shelter, and I, I basically looked at him and I went, you know, you and me, we look the same, mm. we sound the same. Mm. You know, how did you end up being homeless? Yeah. Um, and the way he described it was that he'd been a deputy headmaster of a school. Yeah. Up in... I won't say where, but up north somewhere. Um, and he was never at home, always having an offset or an inspection, something like that was happening. And one day yeah. he came home and his wife said, look, I've had enough. I never see you. The kids never see you. You're out. I've met someone else. Right. So fine. He had to find himself a little bed sit, not too far away, because um, he still wanted to be able to kind of have some contact with the kids. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, living on his own in a bed sit. He'd gone from a three bedroom semi to suddenly he was living on his own. He got more depressed. Um, depression started, take, started drinking a bit more. Yeah. And over the space of a couple of years, he took time off work because he couldn't cope. In the, in, the, in the end, he had a nervous breakdown. Right. Lost his job. Yeah. And then one day, he was in a place called the Arndale Centre, which is up in, I think, Manchester. Somewhere. I know the Arndale Centre. Yeah, um, the Arndale Centre well. Yeah. yeah. So he, um, he was there begging, saw his wife and his kids walking down one of the corridors uh, or one of the kind of shopping mall area. Yeah. Didn't want, you know, they terrified his wife would see him. So he jumped on a coach and ended up in London. And that's how we came across him. And it, I'd often describe it as a sort of, like a set, a set of dominoes. Yeah. Everyone can fall over a bit. And your mates, your colleagues at work, everyone can pick you up. Yeah. But if you keep, if those, if you keep those dominoes keep falling, suddenly you've got this weight on your shoulders and you can't pick yourself up. Yeah. You know, I chatting to a, a guy once in Lincoln's Inn Fields, down in, uh, just not far from here in Hoburn. And it was late at night and he was drinking. And I, was, I knew the guy quite well. And I went, look, that's not doing you any, any good. He had a can of tennis in his hand. And he went, well, it takes the edge off life a bit. And yeah. today it's raining and tomorrow it's probably going to rain as well. And therefore, alcohol just made life a bit easier. Right. Um, so the teacher from, uh, I think, the Manchester area, you know, we... The homeless crisis, we got him sorted out, we got him some clothes, we got him advice, found his sister, yeah. um, and we re- reunited him with his sister. Right. Um, and then we put him on a, a train back up to up north again. Um, right. And I've never seen the guy since, and I'm yeah. hoping that that's a good sign. Yeah. Um, but um, it just goes to show that certain things in your life, if it happens too quickly, you know, before you know it, yeah, you know, you're homeless, and especially at the moment with current rent, rising rents, etc. Um, it's it's it's, it's, ama- it's, it's yeah. amazing how it can happen to anybody. Depression. So yeah. many people I'm, I know who are homeless. It's depression. Mm. Yeah. But once that kicks in, it's hard to get out. It's hard to motivate yourself. Yeah. To get out, you know, especially if you're cold, wet, you're sleeping rough. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to get into a good place. Yeah. To then start looking for help, it's quite easy just to stay where you are. Yeah, um, I've been touching on that. We've got a um, we've got a charity called Andy's Man Club. Have you heard of it? I heard of it. Yeah, yeah. We've got a charity called Andy's Man Club coming on the show um, in around October. Um, and Andy's Man Club um, is a charitable institution um, that that helps men that are going through difficult times. Um, you know, obviously suicide is quite yeah. high within the male population at the minute. Um, so we wanted to bring them on the show to talk about you know the structures and the support functions that are in place for men and so on and so forth. Yep. And it actually sounds like something like that would, because I, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've been divorced, you know, but I do know that when you're taken out of the marital home and away for you, it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's it is. God, that's yeah. hard. You know, yeah. so. And all it takes is then not have a support network around you. Yeah. You know, it's easy to slip. Yeah. You know? Um, and yeah, so many people we know who are homeless who have just kind of fallen, and it's hard to get back up. So what Christ at Christmas does, you know, um, at the Christmas period, we give everyone a bit of respite, basically. Yeah, it's just, you know, twenty days now. Last couple of years, we've been twenty days. We have hotels in London, um, and we just give everyone a chance to just stop, regroup yeah. themselves, get get their head sorted out, and then when, when they're at the right stage, then they could start getting advice and, and move on accommodation. Right. And stuff like that. And it, it works very well. 
Yeah, that's re- really, really commendable. No, it's good fun. Yeah, yeah. I bet it is, yeah, because I know that you do um, you do quite a few events to raise money as well, such as charitable sleep out. We did sleep out, a uh, yeah. whole crowd of said Night Frank, Night Frank sponsored sleep out last year, and I think we raised something like a quarter of a million pounds. Yes, in one night, which is yeah. incredible. I donated. I donated. So you I did. Saw, you yeah, remember I, that? Yeah, yeah. I saw. I saw what you raised, yeah. and, and I was like, like, wow. You know. And for us, it was one night. And mm. but the thing is, what you don't get when you, you're just doing it one night is the kind of loneliness and despair because yeah, yeah. The guy I knew in Lincoln's in Fields was that. Well, tonight's cold and wet, but actually tomorrow night's going to be no better. Yeah. Or the night after, or the night after. Um, and when it's like that, hence why so many homeless people commit suicide. You yeah, know, life expectancy is like 54, 55 for a homeless man. Really? You know, I'm much older than that. You yeah, know? yeah. You know, it just goes, you know, because, you know, you get a chest infection, you're at home, it's fine. You know, yeah. We can get antibiotics. We've been living on the streets. You can't. You can't. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, I always, I always get quite angry when I think about homelessness, and and I pro- it's probably in an, an irrational anger. And the reason I get angry is because I think we're like the fifth or sixth largest economy in yeah. the world, and I just don't understand. I, for the yep. for the life of me, no. I do not understand why anybody is homeless. No. You know, I really don't. And I, I know there's reasons. Yeah, drugs, but, mental health. Yeah, yeah. But like, it, it, but but that you know that irrational side of your brain is like. Surely we can fix this. Surely yeah. we can do, or the good, you know, there can be a step in. And other countries have exactly, uh, yeah. You know, um, and no one chooses to be homeless. No, you don't choose to sleep out. You know, I drive up, I cycle up, use the road every day, and there's loads of homeless people sleeping up by Great Portland Street Station. Yeah, you know, no one chooses to wake up on the side outside a shop. No, but it's because it's necessity. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. In in, in this day and age. We shouldn't be doing it. And when I started 40-odd years ago, did I ever think we'd still be I still be volunteering? No, no way. Yeah. But the need is there, and it's getting worse. Right. You know? um, it's on the rise because of our current situation, in, you know, because of rents in London, or not just London, but elsewhere, you know, and, and, yeah. and lack of support. You can't just solve homelessness by putting someone in a home. No. Yeah, I agree. It's, yeah. A, it's a whole... You know, you, you need support workers because, you know, you need mental health. You, there's a whole load of agencies need to come together. Yeah. Uh, you can't do one because someone's living in a flat. If the, if they're lonely, vulnerable, et cetera, then they're going to be out again sooner or later. Yeah, yeah. You know, they'll, they'll find themselves back in that cycle. Yeah. So it's a whole um, multi-agency approach, what they kind of call it. Yeah, but I do think that we're more than capable of coming up so with that approach well. and delivering so. it. it that, that's, my, that's my view. We can find money for other things. Well, we can find it for war and all that stuff, can't yeah. we? Not to go into too much no, politics, but no, we can. We can. We, we can, no, we can. We, when we want so. it, we can find it. Exactly. You know, yeah. uh, There's got to be that desire, that will. Yeah. Yeah. It should be, government should be embarrassed by seeing homes. I, I completely agree. Yeah. I, I, I just, to me, like I said, whenever I see it, I'm like, it just shouldn't happen, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is, yeah. you know. Um, but great to see that you're supporting it, yeah, mate. No, no. Um, and, you know, if there's anything that you want us to support here on the show, if there's any yeah. events taking place or anything like that that you'd like us to give us a shout out or even for us to come and attend and assist and support, yeah. then we would be more than happy to awesome. to yeah. get involved with that. Give you a shout out. Lovely. Thank you. Okay, so let's talk about the E in ESG, environmental. ESG. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, what, what's your view on um, the environmental side of what the, the industry is doing? Um, and, you know, do you think it could do more or less? Yeah. Or? yeah, well, I think ESG, it's no longer a buzzword. No. It's no longer the thing you, you do at pitches and, and forget about. Now yeah. it's, you know, it's at the heart of, it, of everything we do, you know, be it from the chemicals our, our contractors are using to how they treat their staff, yep. how, how the buildings interact with everyone. You know, it, it's it's at the heart of yeah of, of our thinking nowadays. You yeah. know, I mean, it's good to see today. Um, there's some BS brought out a new standard on air quality within buildings and conditions within buildings. I, have that, I haven't new seen standard, that. Yeah, came okay. out uh, for the record. It's uh, BS standard uh, BS standard four hundred one hundred two. Yep. And its recommendations how you monitor air quality, lighting, all those sorts of things within the building. Yep. So the industry is catching up. Yeah, yeah, uh, but no, I think ESG is is here. Yeah, yeah, and we should embrace it, and uh, and and it's it's a good thing because yeah. we should be looking after our buildings. We should be looking after the staff that work in our buildings. Yeah, we should be looking yeah. after the environment. We should yeah. be looking after local communities. You know, we should be doing all the yeah. all all, the, all, the, all doing doing the right thing because it's the right yeah. thing to do. Yeah, we have uh, up in Newcastle now. We have got some sh- uh, shopping centres there. And, some of our staff up there are just doing brilliant jobs. We've got, I recently 
one of our shopping centres is now a dementia-friendly shopping centre. Oh, explain that. I've, I've... I, I'm not sure. I mean, oh, I just, okay. but I, will, I can find out. But it, all the staff have had training on on, on making it dementia-friendly. So whatever touch points there are, yeah. um, the staff up there did some training recently on, on, on autism, right. um, making it autistic-friendly. Yeah. So obviously the, la- the, the lighting, the sound. Yeah. So to make the experience... Yeah, you know, and, and give everyone a bit more training as to what to look out for. So right. it's not just a naughty ch- child in the corner that's misbehaving. There's probably yeah. a reason why that child is behaving the way they are. So we yeah, can support yeah. the parents and, and make the experience a lot better yeah. and, um, you know, and more comfortable for the family. Then, you know, so um, the sh- same shopping centre, you know, is turning empty shops into community centres yeah. rather than just boarding them up. Make them some place where the kids can go, especially during the half term. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Giving them somewhere so, to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're right. It feels like it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Rather than an easy option is just to board it up, shop up, and forget it. Well, I think we have to do it because the government isn't. Yeah. You know, once again, we've got a little bit political, but yeah. you know, you know, yeah. at some point, you know, we've all got to stand up, take action, yeah. and say, right, well, if they're not going to do it, then we have to. Yeah. And exactly. it's the right thing to do. It's our community. We should be looking after that. Completely agree. Yeah. Same as you walk into a building, the building has to feel right. Yeah. You know, we have. Buildings where people can bring their dogs in, yeah, because you know, if a dog is a, you know, it helps someone's anxiety and stuff like that, then we have to accommodate that. Yeah, you know? yeah, and yeah. It's, it's it's right. It should be, yeah. and we should be paying our staff, you know, our cleaners, our security staff, a decent salary. Yep. Because morally, that's what we should be doing. Yeah, I think everybody deserves a fair a fair yeah. day's pay yeah. for a fair day's work. Yeah, exactly. Without a doubt, you know. Okay, cool. Brilliant. Thanks, Mike. Really appreciate that. Um, so, moving on to the future. Oh. Okay, the future. What do you think the future landscape of facilities management looks like? Where, where do you think we're going? I don't know. Because I look back five years and I see where we've come. Yeah. You know, and I look five years ahead, ten years ahead. Um, I think... The way we maintain the buildings will be different using AI, as we yep. discussed. Yep. You know, how we clean the buildings, how we um, maintain, maintain them yep. will, will all change. But yep. I think buildings need to become community hubs where um, everyone is involved and they're a lot more interactive. You know, mm. I was at a building um, Green Park recently, which is one of our estates near Reading, you know, and um, I took away a jar of honey because we have um, various hives on the estate. Right, you know, yeah, yeah. Not bad when you can, you know, you've got people can, you know, lovely grounds, there's lakes there, the whole, it's a lovely environment to work in. Yeah. Why would you not want to go and work there? You know, and we have some really top end um, occupiers there, you know, who who want to, their staff want to come and work. You know, another occupier I met recently, they found moving to their building actually attracted more staff because staff saw the location and, and saw had to have been treated so it was mm. giving them the ability to recruit good good staff yeah, yeah. so yeah I, th- I think the future the future is future is good you know mm. i think the future is and also we're recognizing fm as a profession yes i agree with that without you know, doubt yeah, yeah yeah when i joined and when i told people i was uh, i'd become a facilities manager they basically thought i was a caretaker yes yeah you know, or i was going to health and safety nerd yeah you know and i'm probably somewhere Totally not like that. Yeah. I, hopefully not like that. I don't health and safety is a passion, but we are a profession. You know, we're as good as our surveyors. Yeah, you know, we're good at what we do. Um, you can now do a degree in it. You know, which you, yep. you know no one did before. But you know, it's it's recognising industry and recognising individuals that that they can add great value to the buildings. You know, uh, and look after landlords' assets. Yeah, but I think that's great. I say on the show all the time that the industry doesn't get the pat on the back that no, it needs no. sometimes because I do think that we're at the, we're at the forefront of a lot of things in terms of how we treat people, you know, um, in terms of the charitable work that's done across the industry, how we've, um, you know, as an industry, as a community, how we've taken hold of environmental issues and tried to push it forward. Yeah. Um, so, so I think our industry is quite good. Yeah, and um, we're multi-skilled. You know, yeah. We're, we're accountants. Yeah. We're engineers. You know, yeah. we're front of the house. We're, you know... We're marketing. We're, we're all those things, you know. Yeah. Uh, Gobby little northerners. Yeah, yeah. But we are, you know, and we should be proud of that. Yeah, you know? without a doubt. And um, we should sing our praise. And sometimes we don't get the praise that I think we, we deserve because we are looking at multi-million, multi-billion pound assets. Yeah, without a doubt. Know? Without yeah. a doubt, yeah. Thanks, Mike. Brilliant. Okay, so just moving on to a different element of your career. Um, what are some of the common challenges today that you face in facilities management and, and how do you overcome them? 
Uh, I think recruiting good staff yep. is a challenge. I think right. there's not enough people coming into the industry. Okay. You know, the industry is predominantly male. Uh, yep. I'm, I'm pleased to say London now, we have a really diverse workforce mm. uh, in our team. Uh, and that's great. And it's great that when we look around and see our team, it's very, our team reflects London yes. in, its, in all its nature, which is which is really good. Yep. But getting younger people in, it's, it's proving a challenge. Right. Um, Why do you think that is? I don't think I don't think it's promoted well enough in schools. Right. Um, I think it may not have the sexy. You know, I want to become an app designer, or I want to become a net. You know, um, a YouTuber, whatever. It doesn't have that kind of uh, appeal to it. I think most of them just want to go on Love Island these days. Don't I think they do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should create a show called FM Island. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think that's one of the biggest challenges is, is getting the. The team in, yeah, yeah. Uh, getting the young, youngsters in because right. once they're in, you know, I think one of my biggest regrets is not going to FM earlier. Yeah, you know, and I've, you know, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for the industry because I think it's a, it's an exciting industry. No two days are the same. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I think there's fabulous opportunities in the industry as so. well. Yeah. Um, and you know, fabulous opportunities for everybody. You yeah. know, whether you're female, male, it doesn't matter. You know, I think that there's there's roles within the industry and opportunities to progress your career in so many different areas. You know, it's such a fantastic and diverse. That's what we like in, in Night Frank Promise. We had one of my guys re- retired recently, and because he retired, I had six people mm. starting from a, uh, someone on reception who became an assistant builder manager, all the way through. Six people moved. It's almost like a set of dominoes uh, yeah. or chess. You know, everyone moved up a piece. You know, yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, it's great to see that kind of that journey that everyone's taking. You know, one of our uh, associate directors twelve years ago, he joined us as, as a concierge. Right. Twelve years later, he's an associate director. That's another, fantastic. Another guy was a um, security manager, now a director. Yeah. Jason Taylor, my you know my boss, he was a chef. Yes, he so was. We all he come was, from yeah. a different backgrounds. Yeah. But it's not about where you come from; it's where you're going. This is important. It's very true. You know. Yeah. And I think this this industry gives us so many opportunities. I think the industry is really good at um, absorbing, um, you know, people's skills from other industries and making those skills and attributes work within the industry there's not many industries that can say that you know yeah i mean i I think fm is probably one of the only industries where you can make sure you're not pigeonholed because you can develop into something else you could do a different role within the industry so although you know the, the knowledge that you've gained for five years in one role it's still relevant in the role that you potentially, whether you've gone sideways, up, down, left, right, doesn't really matter. That that knowledge can still help you in that new role. And you never stop learning. Yeah. There's always stuff to learn. Yeah. You know? And we have a really good learning platform. Yeah. You know, loads of courses. And, you know, we always encourage people, you know, be it learning skills and presentation skills or yep. PowerPoint or, or whatever the case may be. There, there's so many skills out there. And it makes you a better person. I think yeah, so, yeah. It makes you know? more well-rounded, yeah, doesn't it? definitely. Without a doubt. Yeah. Well, it's great, it's great to see you guys are investing in your people. Yeah, no, massively. massively. You, know, we have, um, you know, you've got to. It's the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. It is. It really is. Yeah. And it when really... we get the benefits, when you've got, you know, when you see staff, and you know, I call it the, the promised journey, but mm-hmm. you see someone starting as a front of house and moving their way through and, and progressing. You know, we yeah. do an excellence awards every year where right. we, um, it's one of the things I'm, I'm really proud of, helps us set up a couple of years back, where we recognize people. Uh, for doing a good job and one guy I was talking about earlier you know chatting to me at the end of the night he was a rising star award yeah been with us a couple of years doing a great job hmm. and he got an award and at the end of the evening I was chatting to him and I said about the award he said yeah I've sent my mum a picture of it already oh. so, the fact, so the fact that he was that proud that he wanted he didn't want to wait till he went home he, wanted, he, sent, you know, he sent a picture of probably I think it was, I presented him the award yeah you know to him brilliant he was as proud as anything and then his mum would have thought well look my son's obviously doing a good job yeah, but to be fair, recognised. To be fair, I'm the same, Mike. You know, if I do something well and I get recognised, you know, I tell me mum. Yeah. I think we all do, don't we? All we? Do. We, all yeah, know, we all we all want our um, sort of family and friends to be proud of our achievements because yeah. we're proud of them. Aren't we? we are we proud of them. Yeah, and know? we should be proud. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, this this guy was lovely, lovely to see it. It was nice yeah. that he wanted to share that. It wasn't yeah. just I got an award, I pull it, I leave it in my drawer. Yeah, he wanted, you know, and we do like to promote that, and we give out quite a few awards every year, and it, and they're all every one of them is for, you know, it's justly deserved, you know, because yeah. someone's gone a bit, bit special. Yeah, you know, and it gives others can see that and go, well, maybe if I do that, I'll, I, you know, I can achieve the same. Brilliant. Um, well, that's really, you know, that's, that's great to see. Great, great to yeah, hear we as well. We really do promote that. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, so just moving on to. Um, 
Oh, I'm going to ask you this question, actually. I'm going to, I'm going to skip a question, Go Mike. I'm going to ask you a different one. Okay, so what lessons, you know, have you learned um, from a particularly difficult process um, that you've been involved in? You know, I, I guess what I'm saying is, and it's quite interesting for you because you did, you know, 20 years as an accountant, mm. 20 years in FM. You know, what, what, what's been a difficult project process that you've been involved in that that's really altered your skills, I suppose? I don't know. I mean, because I don't come from an Emily background, I was always very weak on. I was, yeah. Initially, I was, I was weak on that. Right. And, and doing a, a big, we did a big project where we changed the chillers and the whole works. To me, that was, you know, I was the least experienced person in the room, even though I was quite a senior manager at the time. That magic, basically, to you at that time. Yeah, it's yeah. completely, you know. But you just got to be asked the questions, don't be afraid, don't yeah. matter how senior you are or whatever. You ask and you learn, and you just learn from the best people. Yeah. Um, so that was a, a really steep learning curve. Yeah. You know, fan call units, chillers. Yeah. You know, it's, it's dark. It's actually not that difficult. Yeah. But if you break it down, yeah, it's, it's not being afraid to ask. You yeah. Know, and and listen and and listen to people because you you got to learn to listen, but then you got to listen to learn. That's to true. Do, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and um, if, if you just Ask people and, and develop your skills because we would, as building managers, we tend to be kind of multi-skilled, yeah. but not to a deep level. Yeah. So therefore, it, don't be afraid to to ask. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so would you say kind of temper your? Um, I, I, I don't think anxiety is the right word, but temper your. Well, yeah, potentially anxiety about something you don't know a great deal about. And just don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Ask the yeah. questions that need to be asked, and ask your colleagues. Yeah, you yeah. Because most of us have been have been in a similar situation. Yep. So you know we have, you know we have a, an app, uh, a Promise Life app, where yep. people put news updates on, create different things happening. People can ask questions. Yeah. So yeah, engage your colleagues because there's a wealth of experience, and people love sharing experiences and they giving advice. Yeah, completely yeah. agree. Um, so yeah, grab a coffee, sit down, and you know, and and they'll talk away probably far too long. You yeah, know? Um, but it's what it's about, isn't it? That's how you learn. That's how you, you learn. Know, yeah, 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 yeah. Without yeah. doubt, without doubt, brilliant. Okay, so um, let's move on to a, a little bit about sort, sort of you specifically now. So, okay. what would you say some of your greatest achievements in your career in facilities management have been? If you have, if you yeah. have ones that you're happy to share, I think developing staff. You know, yeah. The older you get, the you know, I love looking back and and see how people have progressed. Yep. You know, um, and you know, meeting someone who who is quite new to the industry, quite new to work generally. Mm. You know, and and then seeing them grow. Yeah. You know, and put them in different buildings, giving them different experiences. Yeah. Getting them to working with different managers, um, and just seeing how they progress, and it's it's part of that journey. Yeah. You know, it's. Um, that that to me that's one of my greatest achievements is yeah it's just seeing staff grow, grow in confidence, grow in experience, and, and just develop as individuals. Yeah, you know, um, it's, yeah. it's really great. See, it seems to permeate throughout sort of the night Frank. Yeah, it's team. very much our ethos. That's that's, yeah. ca- that's kind of the you know based on the people that we've we've already had on yeah. the show and yeah. the people we've spoken to. I mean, I think you're the third person from night Frank okay. to come on. Yeah, um, alongside Paul and obviously Louis May. Yep. So shout out to Paul and Louis May. Yeah, definitely great, to see you. great people. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Okay, brilliant. Okay, so conversely, any regrets in your facilities management career? Probably not getting into early enough. You, you know, said that if, earlier, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> if I had known what FM was like, I'd have gone from school. You know, yeah. I forgot 20 years as a life is a journey, yeah, and is. my experience of accountancy helped get me to where I am today. Yeah, but I would definitely got got into it earlier. It's a great industry. I just never knew it. It was never, you know, when I was in school, I went to comprehensive. It was became a mechanic, electrician, yeah, you know, or, or do stuff like that. You know, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't a job spec. So uh, yeah, I. Wish I got into it ten years earlier would have been nice. Yeah, you know. Maybe um, we could create some kind of collaboration or partnership where we take FM into schools. Yeah, well, actually, you know? we've been discussing that recently at work. You know, we wanted to go out and and you know and start engaging with schools and yeah. do some you know um, training, get do some work experience and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you know what we could do, Mike? We could make where many hats required listing. Could do. We could. Do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's revved about that, guys. <laughs> But no, I, I think I think the more kids who know about it, the better. Yeah, because it's a good career. It is a very good career. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. 
Okay, brilliant. Well, I've got my final question now, brilliant. Mike. Yeah. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. What things in life, be it work or leisure, um, give you the greatest satisfaction and enjoyment? Okay. Uh, I've got to mention my wife and son. Yeah. Uh, wife's sure. librarian. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, son's um, 19. He's doing automotive engineering at Coventry. Right. I'm very proud of both of them. Uh, my back passion, besides crisis, um, is is my running. I used to be, did martial arts for a long time, then had a cycling accident. So now I do this called ultra trail runnings, yeah. where you run like 100 kilometers uh, nonstop over fields and stuff like that. Yeah, you told me this last. I still think I know, mental. it's crazy. I, I couldn't I couldn't do five kilometers. Then my hundred, but fair play to you. It's good mentally and physically. I bet. Yeah. Um, and then come October. Hopefully, I'm climbing Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. That's my uh, latest one. Yeah. Uh, so it's always good to have a goal. Yeah. Because you need to have a goal to keep yourself motivated. Yeah. And, you know, it's all right going down to the gym, but if you go down to the gym, you've got to have a focus of where you want to be. That's true. You know? And the same for work. You yeah. Know, I adopt that for work. You know, at work, I always wanted to be the best at what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted the best building. Yeah. I wanted, you know, when I became a director, I wanted the best team. I wanted the best compliance. I wanted the best team working ethos yeah yeah you know crisis is the same so i've always been driven to, to have the best team around me and you're only as good as everyone around you that's true um but when i do my running it's it's just me in my own sort of headspace and stuff like that so yeah. uh i quite i, I do like it I, I like the challenge yeah um so uh it can be a bit daunting at times yeah uh, yeah so, I bet. yeah because so, yeah. it must take a long time to run 100 kilometers yeah it can take 12 15 hours uh yeah. to run i did london to brighton a couple of months back yeah you know you start at eight o'clock in the morning yeah you're not finishing to two or three o'clock in the following morning oh uh so yeah so i know because you're running through woods you're running across fields it's it makes life a, yeah but it's good it's, it's good because it's a mental challenge and you meet lovely people yeah you know how long does it take your body to recover? Because that's that's a that's a big impact on your body. Oh, uh, without getting boring, I mean, I, you lose all your toenails essentially. Well, fine. At the, at the end of it. <laughs> so it takes a while, but don't grow back. Yeah. Um, yeah, it takes a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, but then it's a bit of a bug, you know. I'm on various Facebook groups, and yeah, I was talking about the next event and stuff like that. So right. uh, you get you get a lot, you get a real, a real thrill out of doing it. Yeah, so you're basically Knight Frank's version of Bear Grylls, then. I doubt it. No, no, I'm uh, I'm a plodder. Right. I'm more of a the tortoise and the hare, I'm, I'm the tortoise, you know, I'll right. get there in the end, but yeah. it'll take a while, you right. know, okay. uh, but uh, I'll always get there. Well, that's a really interesting thing to share about yourself. Thank yeah. you very much. That's all right. All right. Well, that brings us to the end. Um, listen, Mike, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, I think it's been an incredibly interesting show. Um, I certainly learned some things on it, which is always good. Yep. I always like that. For sure. Um, thank you for your time and we will see you I don't know, maybe get you back in about six months. See how things go. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers, sir. Thanks, Mark. Lovely. Cheers, Mike. Bye bye.